Zencaster just wants to fuck with us. Yep. I Every guess. time. Yeah. Yeah, mine was weird too. Anyway. Yeah, mine was fine this week. Surprise, yeah. surprise. But. Yeah. Should I, should I just refresh? I'll just I'll just refresh. Well, I just started recording, so oh, don't do it. Yeah, don't, don't do it now. <laughs> Alright. It's fine. It's fine. We'll just okay. we'll just go with it. Okay. <laughs> so, Sounds I'll good. teach you how to clear it out after the recording or next week or whatever. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, well, well, we'll let that our technical inside baseball talk there service preamble and welcome everybody back to episode 147 of Dance Robot Dance. This week, we're going to be doing something a little different than what we usually do, but right up my geek alley. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. I'm Tim. I'm going to be hosting this week with me. We have our new normal, Mark. New normal. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How's it going, guys? And well, I mean, this is our new normal crew, is what I meant. Oh, right, and, uh, right, right. Fair enough. <laughs> and Paul from South Korea. Hi, guys. How's it going? <sighs> long, long ass week. A lot of ups mm. and downs, but I'm very glad that it is over. Mm-hmm. Got a geeky weekend coming up. Going to the Renaissance Festival, Game of Thrones finale. We're having people over for that. And Ooh, nice. I'm getting getting started on some uh, material shopping for Dragon Con costumes for this year. And uh... nice. Yeah. You guys do, do you have anything planned you want to talk about? Well, it's the Black Rider, like oh right, uh, yeah. So the Lord of the Rings, like Black Riders from Fellowship with the horses and everything. So Mark, you need to make your decision there if you're going to come and join that or not. I will have to get back to you on that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited to come back to North America and do some cosplay when I come back. I'm I've been working out really hard, and my goal cosplay is to do Craven the Hunter. Like mm. I really want to do like a classic Craven costume with the the lion open vest yeah, yeah, yeah. wrestler look. That's my <laughs> that's what I'm going for. So anticipate, look forward to squad it. Goals. So you're looking for <laughs> yeah, squad goals. Yeah, goals. Right? Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into our uh, nerdy news for the week. I think the biggest thing that sort of took over the internet this week was the penultimate episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to yeah. talk about Game of Thrones next week. You know, spoiler alert, that's going to be our topic for next week, because by the time this is out, you will probably have seen the finale. And so we're going to sort of go over the final season. But yeah, spoilers for anybody that hasn't seen it yet. Skip forward a bit. But Daenerys takes what some people think is an unexpected turn. What I personally think is exactly what her fucking story arc has been going through the whole time. And turns into the mad queen and torches the shit out of a bunch of innocent people because she wants revenge against Cersei. And yeah, the internet was very split on that. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty split. And I, I see both sides of this argument pretty clearly because like, you know, I'm a book reader for a song of ice and fire and the show did, I think maybe not as good of a job of wrapping up her storyline as as people thought like foreshadowing isn't the same thing as character development. And yes, there was foreshadowing for her becoming the mad queen, but everything kind of felt her degenerating into that felt pretty rushed for some people. And I can sympathize with that too. Like I do see that she definitely had the makings of becoming mad queen Daenerys, but when it came to a head, it was just kind of like, it was real fast and uh, yeah. save it for next week, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Save it for next. We'll week. save it for next week. I mean, yeah. yeah. My feelings are is that the fan base is never fucking happy because they complain like crazy that some of the seasons drug like crazy, and now they're like, but now they're going too fast. 
Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, they, they never really did find a happy medium with the, this show when it came to pacing. But I do like the fact that they started a petition to rewrite Jesus. and reshoot season eight, which was just, and it already has 700,000 signatures. Like, my question is, what kind of writer do they think George R. R. Martin is? Like, yeah. do they think that it was like. You think it was going to be a happy ending for everybody? Okay, can we move on? Because we're going to get into this. We're just doing the Game of Thrones episode now. This is the argument (laughs) we're going to be having next week where we get into like, who the fuck George R.R. Martin was going to write a happy ending (laughs) to this fucking scene? Like, Guys, well, see, guys, and most of most people on the internet seem to be laying this all at the feet of the showrunners of uh, Dave Benioff and DB Weiss, who have now he been. Told them the ending. I though. know exactly. They're working off the story trees, but now those two are have. It's been announced that they will be the ones working on the next Star Wars movie that will be the one that's coming out in 2022, so three years from now, and. That was maybe not the best time to announce that, considering a lot of people just turned on those guys real fucking hard. Yeah. So, but I'm cool with that. I think they'll make a fucking awesome Star Wars movie. I completely agree. I think it's interesting that, like, yeah, it's like they dumped the the Rian Johnson one. Like, we don't know what's happening with that one, and they went with this one, and then they both end up up Shit's Creek. Yeah. So it's just like, well, we're fucked either way. At the end of the, the day, the thing is two things. One, there's a bunch of new Star Wars movies on the slate, and two. Yeah. They've they haven't said that they're going to be doing like the next trilogy, but they've mm. just said that the next movie, whether that is you know a saga movie or whether it's a new trilogy or whether it's a standalone film or what, that next one that comes out in twenty twenty two is going to be theirs. They're the ones that are making it. So okay, well, that's interesting. Cause I wonder if they're even interested in doing a trilogy because that would be dedicating probably ten years of their lives again to another like one property yeah. and they've just done yeah. that yeah like, that's a lot of work you like you would think those two guys might want to be like hey let's go do like um, one movie yeah. right like just a yeah. movie so that's probably maybe what they're thinking is like maybe let's just do the one well and not commit to 10 yeah. years or something well i mean it doesn't even they you know they could do what they did with the current trilogy where one person started it and then rian johnson did the second movie i mean the, even on the first ones like yeah lucas was involved in all of them but they all had different directors mm-hmm. that's true writers and shit like that, that. Is so true anyways we'll see where that goes i like I said i'm i'm interested in seeing what they do with the star wars universe that's star wars in it we're all gonna end up <laughs> seeing it. Yeah, yeah probably uh and man the internet is all over petitions i think i think that the fact that the filmmakers on the sonic movie caved is not good for fandom overall because there was also the announcement that robert pattinson possibly possibly also nicholas holt who just played Tolkien in the self-titled or so named movie could be the next Batman in the Matt Reeves movie that has that we've been discussing on and off for fucking years, it seems. Yeah. And the internet was not happy with that either, and they already started making petitions against that, even though it's not even formally announced yet. So. Uh, I like there's the I like the quote of art is not a democracy. I think that was George R. R. Martin who was like, uh, <laughs> "Art's not you don't get to you don't get to choose the endings of other people's stories that yeah. they are writing." And I also think that this it's particularly shitty when it comes to Robert Pattinson because it's clear that this is a, a knee jerk reaction to him being part of the Twilight franchise, which is not a great franchise by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm not defending Twilight or Twilight fans. I'm fu- <laughs> wait. Do I do I hear the Halcyon call of Christie screaming at <laughs> yeah. us from the distance? Is that what yeah. that is? 
but, right. Sorry, I decided to call to make sure we knew that Christy would be fucking yelling yeah. at us if she was here. I don't know. There's a disproportionate hate towards Twilight, even though it is like not great. It is still not as bad as people make it out to be, kind of thing. Like it and this reaction to Robert Pattinson in particular, considering he was both in Harry Potter and Twilight, and he's done a lot of indie films in between where he's like I think he's done a pretty good job as an actor. It's just like, we don't want this girly Twilight guy in our franchise because, and I'm like, guys, do you remember Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger of A Knight's Tale and 10 Things I Hate About You fame. And, and becoming Brokeback the fucking, Mountain? And Brokeback Mountain, <laughs> which, you know, it was his first serious turn because it was an Ang Lee movie and like, I guess, but either way, like, it's just... This particular petition and this reaction seems like a different kind of shitty than the. Uh, it's still a level of entitlement that it like mirrors the Game of Thrones reaction to season eight, but it's still like a different kind of entitlement, shitty entitlement, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it comes in all kinds of flavors, and this one is like has a tinge of anti Twilight misogyny going <laughs> along with it. So, and I, yeah. I will openly admit I did have a knee jerk response to this was like, I don't know what to think about this. But in part, it's because I've never really thought of it. Like, you know, my first impression of the guy, because I've never really watched anything he's done since is, you know, as a fucking sparkly vampire. And uh, yeah, that does not necessarily jibe with what I want out of a Batman. But um, I'm reserving judgment. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, like I said, this is maybe all premature because we don't even know if he's actually going to end up in the role or not. This fucking mm -hmm. movie has just been development for years, like I said, at this point. So we'll yeah. see. And to be fair, Pattinson does have a distinctive chin, so he'll look good in the cape and cowl. <laughs> I will enough. say that. I'm curious about that. I thought it was kind of pointy. I want to draw him into a cape and cowl and like, see how it's going to work. <laughs> see, you were already working on that as aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. Right now, it's not like, it, like it's not tracking with me, but we'll have to see. Because I was like, pointy chin. I don't know how that's going to work in a back cowl, yeah. but we'll see. I was like, <sighs> yeah, I was pretty indifferent overall when I heard the news. So I was like, and again, like Heath Ledger, yeah, that was the first thing that popped in my head was like, I am not going to like hop onto like i hate this train because they didn't pick the guy that i kind of thought mm. should be batman but whatever we'll see where it goes at this point i think my main point is just that like maybe they'll make the fucking yeah. movie now which is basically what i've been asking for more than anything else over the last yeah. 12 months is just make the movie i don't care who's in it anymore just make the batman movie and if this one flops it means we get yeah. another batman guess what <laughs> awesome my like, we'll just keep getting more Batmans. We're not going to stop getting Batmans. They just need to make this one and just start the cycle. I, and I will admit to being a little bitter and disappointed that we're not going to get a grizzled bat, like lived in Batman movie. Cause that seemed like it could have mm. been really cool. And I liked Batfleck and I would have liked to have seen that. And now there seemed to be going more in this like younger, more detective-y Batman. Well, how old is Pattinson uh, now? He's probably like 30 something. So yeah. 33. So, yeah, there you go. So we'll see. In other Bat-related news, got our first trailer and a good long, like three-minute trailer for the Batwoman series set in the Flareoverse CW DC television universe starring Ruby Rose. And it looks pretty interesting, definitely a bit dark. Well, I won't say darker necessarily, but a very different tone than the other Arrowverse, Flareoverse shows. Well, it feels like it almost harkens in tone back to a little bit back to like the early arrow arrow episode, like seasons, but also kind of to the, uh, 
I think that Gotham had a little bit of like a Schumachery kind of like tinge to it. Like that, the color was very bright. Like they were they were shooting like for. Uh, I noticed when they did that in the crossover too, they did a lot of like magenta backfill mm-hmm. and stuff on Gotham. So they're using that, which really kind of immediately triggers my my Schumacher <laughs> yeah. emergency alarm yeah. kind of thing. So that, that's something I noticed when I was watching. I'm like, well, this is getting this is starting to look like Batman Forever, <laughs> not like Batman and Robin. <laughs> But Batman Forever, which is like right on the cusp of yeah, disaster. So. <laughs> yeah, like, so I'm like, yeah. we'll see how yeah. this goes. I'm curious. I'll watch the pilot. Absolutely. Um, I'm kind of done with the rest of the CW stuff yeah. right now, but we're we're inching closer to like Batman on TV by having uh, a Batwoman yeah. TV show. Mm-hmm. So I'll take I'll take the baby steps. And I right finally now. did watch the uh, Elseworlds crossover, which is where this character was first introduced, and uh, and that was a lot of yeah. fun. And I liked her. I liked playing, watching her play off the other guys in that. So yeah, I mean, I'm fucking in the bag for this. It also looks like they're very closely following some of the, uh, was it J. Michael Straczynski, I believe, run of Batwoman that featuring Kate Kane's sister, Alice, who has gone insane, oh. which is a pretty cool arc and very interesting visually to see those two characters sort of juxtaposed against each other. So. That's definitely a run I would recommend yes. for any of our listeners that are, would like to get familiar. I didn't know Straczynski did a run it on Batwoman. Remember it was J.H. Williams. Oh, maybe that's who I'm thinking. Penciling it for a long time. And then, like, there was, like, that was the big, like, that was the last time I remember Batwoman being, like, a huge deal was when he was, I think he was just the penciler, though. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, Greg yeah, yeah. Rucka. Gregor. Okay. Was it Rucka? Like yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or, because it says that he created the Alice character, the uh, Elizabeth Kane character, so. Oh, maybe. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, J.H. Williams III was drawing that arc, but who actually wrote it? So it's been written by, yeah, Greg Rucka, Mark Wade, Keith Giffen have all done writing stints on it. I don't remember who was writing the particular arc that I'm thinking of, but it's basically the New 52. Uh, oh, yeah, J.H. Williams did the arc. It was W. Hayden Blackman that did uh, that that wrote that there series. There you go. Uh, and then later, later it was taken over by uh, Mark Andreco, who... I really like and always writes female characters and particularly very well. His Manhunter run is awesome and his current Supergirl run is actually pretty good too. I was hearing something about Supergirl run. Was there an article on io9 about that mm-hmm. Supergirl run? Not that I saw, else? but I, yeah, it's, it's been cool. Either way, yeah, I heard there was something cool going on. There. Let's see. All right, here's the trailer that Paul's going to want to talk about that Mark and I don't care about. Uh, so for <laughs> HBO's basically next big fantasy series, his Dark Materials, based on the novel series by Philip Pullman, which I've never read, but Paul apparently has. So go nuts, Paul. Well, I'm really excited because this, as most people know, there was a, a film adaptation of the first book in the series, The Golden Compass, which was a fucking train wreck. There was a good <laughs> cast. There was, you know, Nicole Kidman and, and Craig. Uh, Daniel Craig. Yeah, Daniel Craig was in that, yeah. Where they were both in it, and I was really excited for it, but the script was bad. So the cast for the series, which is being produced by the BBC, which gives me you know a lot of hope. Some hope. I, yeah, uh, is you know Daphne Keane from Logan, who played Laura. James McAvoy's in it. Lin Manuel Miranda. It's got a really solid cast, and it looks like the tone feels right for it because it for as. A YA novel. It has actually incredibly dark and lots of, you know, themes of dimension hopping, anti religion, like very anti religion. Like this is going to be, it's weird that it's marketed as a YA novel because it does have 
child protagonists, but the themes are very mature. So we'll see how it goes. And considering the cast, I think they are definitely trying to market it towards adults. But it is a BBC production, so it might have that Doctor Who wonkiness of tone that I hope they Uh don't have and they stick with the serious side of it. Either way, I hope I'm cautiously optimistic about the series. And I think they've got, they've greenlit the first two seasons for eight episodes each. We'll see how it goes, but I'm excited. Watch the trailer if you're (laughs) a His Dark Materials fan, Golden Compass fan, because it's good. There you go. And they don't care. <laughs> well, like we, I mean, like I watched the thing. The cast looks cool. I mean, I would watch the pilot of it, but I'm not sure if I'm going like, to commit to a show. I've never read those books. Mm. Why do I feel like, again, I keep talking about Christy. Um, and maybe it was because she was talking about it earlier. <laughs> but um, like, was she that? Was, was like Narnia not a thing she was into? Like this stuff? King, King uh, Killer Chronicles was hers that she kept getting. No, there was, there, she was into this stuff too, wasn't she? I remember her talking about this stuff. I don't know. I don't know if she mentioned his dark materials or not. Okay. This is a anyway. short, short trilogy, like of three books. It does have like, there's a new book that just came out called the book of dust and there's oh. Lyra's Oxford, but the main series is just a trilogy of novels that are like 500 pages each. And they're like, I think they're a pretty quick read. They're like a, like a beach read, you know, they're a weekend read and they're, uh, they're real good. So check them out. If you are looking for, this is not my geek cred, but check them out. <laughs> they're good. Fair enough. Yeah, for me, it's just it's I'm really selective with fantasy and especially I've been burned before by like young adult fantasy movies and shit like that. And so not Mm -hmm. really looking for a new one to get into, but we'll see if it gets good reviews and stuff. I might check it out in something I'm definitely going to watch. There was also a trailer for the fifth season of Black Mirror, which has some visuals and shit like that and little teases. And I'm definitely down for that one um either you guys watch that i gotta like i don't know if i ever finished the last season i have this real bad habit back in black mirror where like i'll watch two episodes get super depressed and then walk away and yep. kind of oh no you you um, watched all of last season because season four ended with the U- uss callister oh that's right i did watch that season so i did yeah so yeah i'm down like i'm all down to watch it it's just a, it's a matter of how long it takes me because sometimes this show takes me like i can't binge yeah. the show you know what I mean? I, if, like, if we're getting four episodes, that's going to take me like four yeah. days. I'm going to watch like one a day and suffer through yeah. it and then suffer with it for a couple hours and then watch the next one and suffer yeah. again and then be depressed for a week after. Yeah. And then podcast about <laughs> it, maybe. Yeah. I, I, I still like, need to do, I, don't know. I still need to do Bandersnatch. I still haven't uh, done even a single playthrough or whatever of Bandersnatch. Yeah. Yeah. I like no interest in that whatsoever. Like when they, when they showed like how it worked, I was like, oh, I played this quantic dream game before so no thank yeah. you like i know i know how telltale games work <laughs> thank you yeah I'm, I'm in the same boat with mark i can't i can't binge black mirror i think i can watch it weekly or bi-weekly because it like yeah. they are pretty hard pills to swallow overall like thematically like a lot of the imagery is a little just a little bit too much for me yeah i will poke at it kind of like i'll come come to it every couple of weeks and i'll get through it eventually but i i will not binge a series that is <laughs> that dys- dystopian yeah. dystopian yeah. yeah i can't i can't do it and especially this day and age it's like i like i have to watch black mirror and then like palette cleanse real hard on other like light-hearted stuff like watch a sitcom watch some drag race yeah. whatever you know i'd have to watch like two seasons of brooklyn 99 to offset like every episode of black mirror that i watch yeah. or something like that i just gotta watch like a lot of captain <laughs> holt afterwards, yeah so. yeah uh, yeah, cool. Let's see, shifting gears into MCU stuff now that um, Endgame 
is seems to be sort of winding down. People are asking more and more about the future of the MCU. And Kevin Feige recently did a Reddit AMA and they somebody asked him if they plan to revisit the Mandarin since he sort of got done dirty in Iron Man 3 and the Ten Rings and everything. And his answer was very simply yes. So I don't know if that is a teaser for short-term MCU movies or longer-term or what, but... I don't know, man. you got Mandarin to deal with. You've got probably a new Iron Man that they're going to be kind of wandering around, or at least you're going to have that War Machine sequel yeah. to do, right? Or like that War Machine spinoff everybody's going to probably be talking about. At least we've been talking about it, so I'm assuming other people are talking about Don Cheadle getting yeah. his own movie. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do a bad guy, maybe we'll go back to the beginning of Tony's little arc and start again with Rhodey. Yeah. Do the do Mandarin properly, and at this point, you can accept like the ten, like the goofy ten rings too, like the insane cosmic power mm-hmm. stuff of it. Yeah, so go for it. And in Marvel Comics news, so I think we mentioned a little while ago that uh, Jonathan Hickman, who's sort of one of the hottest writers in comics right now, is uh, taking over yeah. the X Men. But Marvel is doing their fucking thing and canceling every other X Men book so that they can relaunch again under. For Jonathan well, Hickman, it's, I always like it when you you have to bring this story up every time Marvel does it. <laughs> yep, this we, you, you know we wouldn't be talking about this if it wasn't me hosting. Yeah, because I don't like I don't like like they relaunch shit all the like been it's in the, you you say like it's a new thing like it hasn't been happening since like we yeah. were kids. It's the same thing. The difference is that like they haven't wiped out the entire universe fifteen times in the past. They've years. done that too. You know what I mean? Like it's not they haven't done a giant universe reset. No, they do a lot of soft resets. Yeah, so we never get like we never have our continuity like completely overwritten. Just occasionally like retconned. This is so like I'll take your shade. <laughs> I will take your shade, but fuck you, DC boy. So because like at least my universe is still technically the same universe it was supposed to be in 1966. Your shit, whoo! It's not even the same universe it was last week. Probably if there was an issue with Flash <laughs> in between. Yeah, that definitely works, having the same characters from 1966 that are the same age in 2019. Hey, man. Hey, man. We can have that (laughs) argument, too, but I'm just saying, you throw the same shade at me every time Marvel does this. Well, here, this one here is just for you, then. The Orville got renewed for a third season. We talked about this last week. I brought it up right up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I brought it. It was like like last, 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 last second. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I'm excited uh, for Orville to come back. I know we're all (laughs) throwing shade about starting new media franchises. (laughs) That is one that I would recommend. Watch for sure. Although, at this point, me recommending Star Trek has not gone over well. So maybe don't (laughs) take my fucking word for it. You know, maybe just I should just shut my mouth. So, well, in a in regards to a franchise that I tend to recognize, at least to people or tend to recommend, at least to people that are into horror, uh, one of my favorite horror franchises, Saw, is apparently getting rebooted by Chris Rock. Why? Don't know. It's <laughs> okay. weird. That answers, that answers that question. Because like yeah. that is, I don't need that. And fine. Okay. Cool. I don't know. I don't know if this is like a uh, hey, Jordan Peele's doing a lot of off, awesome stuff in horror right now. So who's another black comedian that we can start giving horror franchises to? And the first first person they came up with was Chris Rock. Maybe yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, mean, I like Chris Rock. He's a funny guy. But like, yeah, I do too. I don't know. I I mean, I've never seen him do drama, so I don't know. Yeah, but okay, we'll yeah. see. You know. But apparently he's a big fan of the franchise, and so he just wants to do his own take on it, I suppose. Cool. I guess. 
if you can afford to buy the franchise or whatever, like buy the rights to the franchise and do your own thing with it, good for you. Like, I wish I could do that with some franchises. Yeah. <coughs> Star Trek. <coughs> <laughs> and very last piece of news for this week is maybe off our normal beaten path a little bit, but a very popular internet personality passed away this week. Grumpy Cat, a.k.a. Oh. Tartar Sauce. Oh died. no, Grumpy Cat died? My I, my he, internet soulmate or whatever? <laughs> Your spirit animal. Yes. Uh, yeah, my spirit, there it is, spirit animal. Spirit animal for yeah, many she, on the internet, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She died at the age of seven due to complications from a urinary tract infection, uh-huh. apparently. But she was, I mean, the reason that she looked the way she did and always looked grumpy was because she had a birth defect, so she wasn't yeah. really ever expected to be a particularly long-lived Long kitty lived. to begin with so uh-huh. she survived on pure grump yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming she was pampered her entire life for being basically probably making whoever her owner is a lot of money yeah exactly so, yeah good, well i mean she's that like that that cat that cat what has been famous for like three or four years now or something Longer like that, than that. So, i think it's really? been like famous as long as it's been a cat like like as long as i've seen it on the internet it's been yeah. pretty famous so yeah and it so. was yeah, I was at Tanner, so it was it was like five years ago, five six years ago, even. Oh, wow, Grumpy yeah, Cat. Yeah, so rest in peace, Grumpy Cat. That was everything that I had, unless you guys had anything to add. Uh, no, we glossed over Batman, so I was very happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, With that we can move on to our geek of the week. Geek of the week. Which is where we each discuss the nerdiest slash geekiest things we've done in the past week or so. So let's go first to Paul. What was your geek of the week? Um, I haven't had a particularly geeky week. I've been trying to get back into my, you know, my fi- my four thirty a.m. wake up time for the gym and stuff like that. So my my oh. sleep schedule's been all fucked up. Um, but I have you're fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm with the. I'm on that one. But I have been watching a lot of Mad Men, which I guess is not like super geeky, but it's, I don't know. It just happened to pop up on Netflix in my recommendations. And I was like, I haven't rewatched this yet. And so I've been rewatching Mad Men and, uh, you know, getting my, you know, vintage 60s vibe feeling on and just realizing how much all the characters are horrible people while still loving all of them um, at the yeah. same time. Yeah, that first watch was very educational, that show, where you're just like, yeah, wow, I didn't, these people are all scumbags. Yeah. I, I thought I thought I was going to be cheering for one of these. Yeah, yeah but like, not really, I, but I'm uh, still, uh, still great. I'm still kind of cheering for certain people. Like, I still love Joan. I still love, mm-hmm. I, like, I cheer for, I think, I, weirdly enough, I am cheering for Betty Draper more than I did in my first run through. And I was, yeah. a, I was a Betty well, that, defender. That'll change. No, no, I've seen, I've seen the series before and I know that I'm a Betty, uh, I was a Betty defender in my first run through as well, but like more so than before, like I forgot how horrible Don is, like when he sexually assaults Bobby Barrett, like, and grabs her grabs her by the pussy, literally like Donald Trump's her and uh, threatens her when he, uh, she threatens him about her husband's contract and stuff. I was like, Oh yeah, he's a piece of shit. Like he really hates yeah. women like a lot. So yeah, it's been a, a, an educational experience. It's a madman's not the show for you right now. Actually. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying rewatching. I just got to season three. Are you? I though? am. Okay, but and as in, in an analytical way, that's why it's my geek of the week. It's because I'm watching it in my with my uh, English major brain on, 
and it's like mm, yeah. like oh okay yeah i can see why this show is so well this show, it's still really well written and at least it doesn't gloss over all that oh. shitty misogynist bullshit that you yeah, know true. that that uh, happened in the you know well basically any time before like Right. even today still but you know especially in the, that like height of the sort of women should be in the home in the kitchen kind of thing and no character was immune like even joan who knew how to play the game with like, the men in the office still ended up getting raped by her fiance on yeah. in don's office in the, one of the recent episodes i watched spoilers but it's like fuck, like goddamn, it's like every everything is horrible anyway <laughs> it's a it's a good show, guys. It's well written. It's just like it's not happy. It's not a happy show. I. It's like it's just no. Yeah. Anyway, next. All right. Next. <laughs> Mark, Mark, what was your geek of the week? I don't even know where to go after that. So like, because <laughs> like I all I did this week was like replay Super Metroid. And, uh, <laughs> Continue to do drawing and watch Star Trek. Did you pick, um, pick up a lot of misogynist undertones in Super Metroid? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if Samus was raped in her backstory. If we're gonna have to talk about that, like we seem to talk about that in everything we, we talk about now. It's for some we don't we don't speak about other M. We don't talk about Samus' yeah. backstory anymore. I don't, you know what? I, yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't do that. So, uh, yeah, no. My geek of the week was basically just like bombing through Super Metroid and just like I was actually capturing sprites as I was doing it because I was playing on an emulator. But <gasps> you uh, yeah, how dare you! I know, right? I know. I've got it's well. Put it out on Switch then. Like they want me to play it. Like put it out on the console that's actually hooked up to my TV right now, not the fucking one, the last one that barely worked to begin with. <laughs> so yeah, so I I played through Super Metroid, which is like an annual thing for me. Kind of, I basically like every six months play through one of my Metroidvanias. So this time it was uh, Metroid, not yeah. Castlevania. Even so. if you're taking your time with that game, it takes only like a few hours to get a hundred percent it these days you know yeah I, I think i got through it and uh like i know it so well too like i think it's like four hours total if i'm like taking my time and fiddling and like getting everything kind it, of thing enjoying yeah. the ambiance of the that yeah basically a, yeah, of zbs or zbs or whatever yeah. you want to call it yeah yeah game's a classic though so like if you haven't played super metroid you know what the fuck is wrong with you times. go do it do it now <laughs> it was 1994 like 25 years ago now which is terrifying actually not that i think shut up it. don't Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So Super Metroid was my, my geek of the week for this week. Uh just, you know, bombing around Zebbies for like the five millionth time and freezing shit and killing shit with missiles. So cool. And I got the little bastard animals out this time. Oh, that's kind. I did it. I did it. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. All right. Well, for me, my geek of the week is that I finally finished something that I've discussed on the podcast many times over the past whatever, however many months, finally finished my Walt Disney Animation Studios watch through, grand watch through, starting with fucking Snow White and finishing off just this past week with with Ralph Breaks the Internet. So I have now can say I've seen every single like Walt Disney Animation Studios that doesn't count all like the fucking straight to video sequels and shit like that, but all the big ones I have now seen. So I I watched Zootopia for the first time and I like Zootopia. Good. Yeah, it's it's got it's got this weird, like really culty following that I sort of put me off the movie. You're, you're talking about with. furries. You're talking about furries. I yeah. no, <laughs> I'm definitely not talking about yeah. yeah. Well there's uh, let's just say there's a big overlap. The Venn diagram is a circle <laughs> of Zootopia fans and furries. I think well at, at the very least 
the entirety, almost the entirety of furries is inside that circle of Zootopia fans. (laughs) Yikes. So, yeah. Yeah. But still had some great stuff in it. So I, it was weird having Jason Bateman's voice coming out of an animated character though. I gotta say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, but I, I liked, is it him and Jennifer Goodwin was uh, Judy? Yeah, Jennifer Goodwin. Yeah, I like their I like their chemistry together. It was a, I liked Zootopia a lot when I first saw it. I don't think I've ever rewatched it, but yeah, the, I still think that that sloth scene at the DMV is genius. Yeah, it, is it was genius. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a lot of like good good little comedic bits like that, and like cool sort of even high concept ish kind of stuff in terms of like they clearly put a lot of thought into how all these animals, if they were anthropomorphized would ha- would live together. And like each of them have their own neighborhoods that are scaled to them and that kind of thing. And so it was interesting. Uh, and then Ralph fakes the internet was a lot of fucking fun. Still haven't seen that yeah, one. It was, I was going to ask about that one. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta check that one out. I like the first one. I remember enjoying the first one. So, well, even that one too, like if you showed it to a kid uh, in terms of like, you know, a kid that just like fucks around on, you know, their parents' phone to use the internet or whatever, and then showed them this, like it dumbs down sort of the way that the internet works pretty well overall. And also like, you know, obviously riffs on it a lot too. So yeah, it it had a lot of pretty intelligent little bits in it too. Cool. So yeah. So right now I'm kind of feeling like the urge to go back and do this with Pixar movies. Cause there's definitely a few Pixar movies that I haven't seen, but I think I got to give yeah. it a fucking break. A little, little bit of an animation break. <laughs> Although that has been sort of a nice palate cleanser with like the heavier, like game of Thrones and shit like that. That's yeah. happening. <laughs> I just grabbed all that stuff from my, my cousin's kids too. Like the, cause that's stuff that they were like, Oh, we want that. And I was like, Oh cool. Yeah. So I have like all the Disney movies and all the Pixar movies right now, just sitting around that I'm like, I should watch some of these that I haven't seen before. I just have no ambition mm-hmm. to do it. Like I just yeah. can't do it. <laughs> so yeah, like I've just been putting them on while I've been working kind of thing, because they're the kind of things that like I can kind of watch on one monitor while I'm working on another, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And yeah. it's basically you're describing Star Trek, the next generation <laughs> and my existence right now while I'm working is just, I just have the enterprise on in the background. Just, I don't even know what's going on half the time. I was telling Paul, like I zone out for like three episodes at a time and just hear there's just stuff going on around me. Yeah. And then I come up and I'm like, Oh, I'm in the brutal of that. Like, what were we talking about last week? The, the fucking Irish oh, one. The Irish one? Yeah. Yeah. The Irish immigrant thing. Like, uh, <laughs> the, where there's the two colonies and like the one of them sets of them, the one sets clones and the other sets, like, it's right out of Brigadoon or something like that. Yeah. And it's real awful. And it's like, I just kind of like resurfaced while I was drawing and I came up and I was in the middle of this episode and like Riker's about to bang the girl in her core. I'm like, this show was fucking insane before. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now that we're through with our geeks of the weeks, uh, we can move on to our meat of the episode: Japanese rodent meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, we're doing something a little different this week. This is sort of partially inspired by my sister, who is actually in Tokyo right now with her husband. And the end of their trip, they're going to be doing three days at Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea. And I was jealous of that. And it led me to remember that Paul had gone to Tokyo Disney Sea. Uh, was it last year? Uh, two summers ago, I think. Oh my God. It's been. Really? Was it, it that it's long? It's been a ago? while. Okay. No, it must. Yeah, it's yeah? been a while. Yeah. Maybe it was last summer. 
time has no meaning anymore and i don't know but it's i think it might have been Fair not enough. this summer but the summer before yeah okay so i figured that the best way for me to sort of get over my jealousy of my sister getting to go to one of the international disney parks that i really want to go to i would live vicariously through paul and his experiences at the tokyo disneyland resort yeah so i just wanted to sort of ask Paul questions and about what his experience was like. And first of all, uh, to give our listeners, I mean, anybody that's been listening to our podcast for a while knows that I am a Disney parks nerd in particular and worked at Disney world for a year, like 15 years ago. So Tokyo Disneyland opened in, Oh, Tokyo, the Tokyo Disney resort overall has been open since like the nineties. Oh, 83. And that was, they have like sort of their main Disneyland park, which has a lot of sort of the same kind of rides as the other parks around the world. But they added their second gate in 2001, and that was Tokyo Disney Sea. And it is, uh, as the name implies, sort of a nautically themed resort. It is the uh, only one of its kind in the world. There are like ones like Disney Studios and stuff like that, where there's a couple of different versions around there, around the world at different Disney resorts. And it's sort of divided rather than, you know, like Fantasyland and Tomorrowland and Adventureland and stuff like that into different ports of call. There's a Mediterranean one and a mysterious island and a mermaid lagoon and Arabian coast, et cetera, et cetera. So first off, Paul, so you only went to Tokyo Disney Sea, yes. correct? You did not go to Tokyo yes. Disneyland. I went to just Tokyo Disney Sea for one day to uh, about two years, a year and a half ago. I guess. Okay. And this was your first time going to any Disney theme park at all, right? That is correct. Okay. So I have to ask for my own curiosity and my own Disney nerdery. Why did you decide to go to only to Tokyo Disney sea rather than the Tokyo Disneyland park or better yet both? Uh, (laughs) Because for me, like, you know, obviously I'm coming at this from with a bias but if i was going to go to like a disney park for the first time i'd want to go to like the classic one like the disneyland that has like mm. you know the classic rides and that kind of thing so why why only tokyo disney sea well my trip to disney was kind of incidental to my trip to tokyo i love traveling to tokyo in particular i've actually since i've lived in korea i have traveled to tokyo 3 times and this trip to disney was on my third trip to tokyo Because my first one was a nine-day trip in the winter, mostly to go to Winter Comiket. I cosplayed there as a member of Team Rocket, and uh, it was my first trip to Japan ever. And it was like me getting all my weeaboo out, like, pretty hardcore. (laughs) The second time I went, I went with an ex, and it was a horrible time. It it actually led to our breakup. So it... uh, (laughs) And so I really wanted to go back to... Tokyo and enjoy the city um, as a single guy doing my own thing. However, I wanted to do it in my own geeky way. Hitting up Grinder and everything while you're there. Absolutely, I certainly did that. <laughs> and went going to the gay village there. There's Nichome and going to the Pokemon Center. So like 
I wanted to travel by myself and do my own thing as I at my own pace and whatnot. But I really wanted to do one thing that was something I hadn't done at all before. And I actually did two special things. I went to the fan- Final Fantasy fourteen Eorzea Cafe. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard about that. It's awesome. And if you like, you would like it just because the cocktails are fucking cool. Um, <laughs> but my other experience was definitely I wanted to do a Disney thing. I wanted to. I knew that there was Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea. Now, my friend, I have a friend here in Korea who is also a huge Disney parks nerd. He has been a Disney fan for his whole life. And he he's Korean, native Korean, but has traveled to Tokyo Disney and Walt Disney World and Disneyland, I believe, to like, so he's done the international Disney thing. I'm not, not sure if he's been to any of the European parks, but I was asking him if I was going to do one Disney thing while I'm there, because I, I had five days in Tokyo I want to spend one day doing Disney and he uh, he suggested that since I'm going back to North America, eventually the Disneyland in California and the Disneyland in Tokyo are extremely similar to each other. And so yeah. um, Tokyo yeah. Disney Sea is a really unique experience in comparison. So considering it's going to be a while until I go back to Asia, probably once I move back to Canada next year, he suggested I do Disney Sea because there's nothing like it in North America. Whereas Disneyland is an experience I can have similarly in California, which will definitely be more accessible to me when I come back. I guess I can understand that. Yeah. And I have, I have heard that I know there's certain of the international Disneyland parks that are damn near clones of the California park, Mm -hmm. just because they're like, yeah, we know these work. Um, We're trying to do this sort of on the cheap for various reasons, because like in some cases the government was footing part of the bill and stuff like that. And so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Out of all of the international Disney parks, uh, Tokyo Disney Sea is definitely the one that I am the most interested in visiting in because I've heard a lot of really cool stuff about it in terms of just how unique that it is. So, Hmm. so did you do much in the way of like research beforehand? Like, was there anything in particular that you were like, okay, I really need to do this. I'm really excited for this part of Tokyo Disney Sea. The only thing that I had on my list was to meet Ariel because she, there's only one character meet and greet in the whole thing that is like a live person, you know, like they have the character meet and greets all over Disneyland and Disney world. Mm. But the only one that they advertise and really hit home with is Ariel. So that was the only thing I had planned. And I basically planned my my trip to meet her sometime late morning, early afternoon and do like get to the rides that I felt were more interesting at the beginning. So I didn't really have a plan going in. I just wanted to kind of soak up the experience because I had never re- really been to a Disney park. And I just wanted to like enjoy my, my fantasy life for a day. That was my philosophy going in. It's just like, let the park lead me, not me like trying <laughs> to set a really hard agenda. That was my plan for most of the trip, actually. It was just kind of like plan one thing for the day and let the day kind of unfold. And it was a really good trip because of that. Like I went to one neighborhood in Tokyo at a time or the Tokyo Disney Sea and just kind of like, let's do this, do my own thing at my own pace which you can do better when you travel alone, which is what I'm really glad I did. 
Yeah, I can empathize with that for sure. Like when I'm traveling for work, I'm usually traveling on my own. And it's always nice to sort of just go out in the evenings and be like, I can do whatever I want. You know, I'm not tied down with plans with anybody, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I can just kind of explore at my own pace. And if I'm not feeling it. I can always just head back to my hotel. Or if I'm feeling like I want a little bit later night, I can, you know, do that. Yeah. And- yeah. And there's also like, I th- just having the Disney experience, I live 15 minutes away from one of the most popular amusement, 15 minute walk away from one of the most popular amusement parks in Korea. It's called Latte Worlds, Latte World Adventure, I should say. And it's like, it's basically a Walt Disney World with like really gen- like generic branding. Like instead of having <laughs> Minnie and Minnie Mouse, they have Latte and Lori Raccoon and stuff like that. It's kind of, <laughs> it is an off-brand Disney Serious World. off-brand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, and it's a pretty fun park, but it's like, it just doesn't carry that magic for me because it doesn't have the, that branding like that disney feel like you know that that concept that disney have of has of brand integrity like that really does create an immersive experience and that's what i was looking for when i was doing disney not so much because like the rides at latte world are fine they're just like really generic and whatever like fucking raccoon yeah. instead of mice i don't know whatever oh man <laughs> anyway I swear Mark is still with us. This is just not his thing at all. He's I think he's actually muted himself because he's, he's I did. I did I muted myself. I'm clicking I'm clicking and scanning a bunch of shit. I don't want to make any noise. Like I'm drawing. And you guys are talking about your Disney park. Whatever, man. Like does you guys do I'm just you? I'm just waiting for you to I jump talked. in and like call call us out on our bullshit here. No, all I can hear is like the the listenership going away. That's all I can hear. That's all I can hear. I'm, I'm sure that there's some I'm no, it's there you guys are having fun. <laughs> no no i'm sure it's good i'm just i told you guys you guys do your thing yeah i talked a lot for the last three this weeks this is true we, we've had we've had a few real heavy mark episodes so i mean we did we had avengers right into two star trek episodes those are going to be real mark intense episodes yeah. everybody can use me to listen all you can hear is wacom tablet that's all you're going to hear for the rest <laughs> of the episode kids so there it there goes I'm around. If you guys have a question you want to ask, I've never been to a Disney park. I have no real ambition to go to a Disney park. <laughs> Paul told me about his experience at the Disney park. So I'm hearing this all again. So like, yeah, sounds like fun. Let's talk <laughs> about it. You guys talk. Oh, you- <laughs> all right, Paul, did you, I'm guessing you were just like staying in Tokyo. You didn't like go out and stay at any of the Tokyo Disney hotels or whatever. No, I was staying with a friend in Tokyo. So I, w- I took, the, okay. I took the train in and took the train back out once i felt like i had had my fill i guess so uh i can't i can't speak yeah. to any of the disney resorts or hotels or that particular experience mine was it was just okay. in the park proper am i right that it's only accessible by train like you can't drive up to it or whatever i believe yeah. so that's right that there you go you go to like a, a terminal way station and then there's a train that goes to both entrances to either park so it's kind of like this gated community where you can only get to it via train so it's kind of it's interesting that way and but like yeah so it as you're sitting in the train they're bombarding you with disney music and like videos of the park experience and various disney stuff and then you stop off at your whatever your location is and it's uh it's like it it really did amp me up like i was sitting there I had my, uh, I had a green Mickey Mouse t-shirt on from Uniqlo that I was like, just like, I was in it. (laughs) So it was really fun to just kind of build the anticipation going in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I always do that too. I always like pick out my 
Because I've got like so many different Disney t-shirts and shit like that, and various. We're, we're both wearing our Mickey yeah. t-shirts today. I've got my. I've yeah. got just a... unmuting myself to say both these dorks <laughs> are wearing fucking Disney shirts too. I didn't even so plan this. All... This just happened, but just so we're all on the same yeah. page, all right? Like I'm bouncing, yeah. in. I'm going back away now, but like I just wanted to bounce in <laughs> and call them on their bullshit, like they asked me to earlier. Yeah, there you go. Lots of yeah. Disney shirts. That's why, going that's on why right Mark's now. here questionable (laughs) so paul and when you first got into tokyo disney sea what were your sort of first overall impressions of the park i was pretty wowed by first of all the layout because when you walk in the first thing that you see is the harbor and it's huge like it's like this big fucking water feature right in the middle of the park and so like i was i was i knew that disney was big and i knew that this was a smaller park so i was pretty impressed by the scale of it going in i was just like oh i'm in it i could hear the music everything it was like okay i'm in like a fucking disney dimension now i'm good like i was really it's weird walking into a disney park because you really feel like you've been transported yeah and I was looking around at the various pieces of architecture that I could see from the entrance. And I was just like, oh, I'm happy. I like I had a, a, like this happiness wash over me from like the initial sensory overload of it, I guess. Yeah, um, it was just really impressive to get that feeling right away and to walk into it. I mean, I was like I was definitely I had drunk the Kool-Aid on my way in pretty much, but I was pretty wowed by the scale. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I've heard, too, is that it is very impressive in terms of scale. And what you mentioned in terms of sort of immersiveness is one of the things that has always drawn me to Disney parks is, you know, as opposed to like your Canada's Wonderland or like just a normal sort of amusement park, you go in there to be like thrilled and but you don't necessarily go in there to be like immersed in a world. And that's what Mm -hmm. Disney is really good at is, you know is having those music loops going and like sound effects and stuff like that, that you don't even necessarily think about, but that really help to just make you feel like you're in a real, you know, get a real sense of place for where you are. And, and then all the, you know, that you're just surrounded by theming there. That's why they call, you know, the, all the guest areas, they call them like on stage areas, right. Or like show areas because you're part of a show when you're in there. And then the hmm. backs, the, you know, areas that only cast members can access are backstage areas. So show is so important to Disney. Yeah. Well, and calling their employees cast members, you know, like I know that is like a a sneaky way of them to like prevent unionization and stuff like that. But it also is speaks to what Disney's brand is when it comes to their theme park experiences, which is like you are there as a cast member. You've got to be on like you are friendly. You have like a script like even the way that cast members are taught to point like with two fingers instead of one, because pointing with one finger is seen as rude in a lot of yeah. cultures. Like everything is considered. Yeah. You know, it's just, it is very very filtered and focused and organized in that way yeah i remember like learning all that stuff in my disney training my disney quote-unquote traditions class they teach you about all that like this is how you point and everything and and about the show and all that traditions class yeah it's called just gonna i was just coming back out of like silence mode to be like hey they call it traditions instead of just calling it training like a normal thing well it's you joined a cult (laughs) tim you joined a cult tim joined a cult it's it's training but the first the very first day of training the the class is called traditions 
and it's you know all it gives you like an overview of like disney history and then like the the real basic stuff that's not necessarily like site specific to where you're going to be working but like this is just things that everybody that works at disney world needs to know kind of thing still sounds kind of (laughs) indoctrinated. yeah it does I'm perfectly willing to admit that when you work at Disney, you definitely end up in a sort of insular bubble, especially when we were like living in a complex that was all other cast members and stuff like that, too. That was you're definitely in a Disney bubble at that point. Yeah, sounds terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, except there was just parties and like sex and everything all over the place and drinking and <laughs> very Disney things happening in the uh, yeah. in the in the housing complex. Well, I mean, I assumed it was a bunch of twenty-something-year-old yeah. Disney nerds. <laughs> I basically picture it like musical theater, like what like you have like the MMT stuff, like musical yeah. groups in class, like where they all just none of them sleep with anybody else, but they all sleep together. <laughs> it's just like a chlamydia trap, is basically what that kind of sounds yeah i'm sure that there was some stis that were uh getting passed around like fucking yeah in that uh in those (laughs) circles for sure yeah fair all right cool uh back to inking you guys continue your wholesome conversation so what was there a particular area so so like i said they're sort of broken up into ports of call was there a particular like port of call that you really enjoyed more than any of the others paul the first one the mediterranean harbor is just like it feels like you're in a you're on the european coast when you're there it's really cool to just kind of walk around that was my favorite and the one that I came back to the most because it's more central, but also because it was just cool to look at. I really liked Ariel's Grotto. The whole Atlantis experience was really cool and had a really cool design. Is it really called Ariel's Grotto? I believe it's called Ariel's Grotto. Don't be dirty, Mark. Unfortunate naming. <laughs> Unfortunate name. Unfortunate. Yeah. So it is called Ariel's Grotto and it is like, it's got like the cheesy under the sea motif with lots of like shell shaped buildings and stuff like that. And I don't know, I like that particular aesthetic. There's something really camp about it that I really like. And uh, then there's there's the one um, American, like 1940s, 1950s American style. American Waterfront, I think is what it's called. I'm looking at a map here. Yeah, that's the one. And that's the one with the Tower of Terror in it. And that one has just a good, like, friendly vibe to it. It's very, like, aw, shucks, gee willikers. We're in, like, uh, Steve Rogers' Happy Land, except not Frozen Caveman Lawyer or whatever. (laughs) Anyway, it it was just, that place was just really shiny and pretty. But overall, I'd have to say the harbor was my favorite area to be in just to soak up the atmosphere of it cool see and then so disney sea is an interesting mix of because it's got some rides that have been sort of inherited from other parks like you just mentioned the tower of terror which started like there's one of those in disney world the one in disneyland is now a guardians of the galaxy ride and like there's what else is there the there's the their india jones ride which originally from disneyland there's also a lot of unique rides that aren't at any of the other parks so what were your most memorable favorite rides that you did at disney sea mm. I want to preface this by saying that I was a little bit underwhelmed by the intensity of Disney rides <laughs> because I grew up on Canada's Wonderland 
And so, like, I've ridden, like, the Leviathan and the Behemoth on, a like, on, like, slow parties where I could ride it 12 times in a row, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I, so I'm used to that level of intensity, like, Six Flags, Superman, super fast roller coasters. So I might, my expectations were a little bit higher when it came to, like, the thrill aspect of the rides. So I should have tempered that a little bit, knowing that it was a more family-friendly oriented park. So that being said, I you really had to I really had to look at the immersion experience to see which ones that were really memorable. And the ones that still stick with me are Journey to the Center of the Earth and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Nice. Journey to the Center of the Earth is like a roller coasters type like a minecart ride where you're going through a cave and there's like dark parts and you're go- there's like jump scares and going in and out of a uh, cave features and stuff like that and so it's one of the more intense rides out of the bunch and it's just really cool even the lineup is cool like there's a lot of stuff like little artifacts and things behind glass uh, for things that they found in the center of the earth so I was even it was the first ride that I lined up for and it was the only one that I went back to throughout the day because I like it was a pretty packed schedule when it came to lining up for rides Mm -hmm. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is kind of like a, it's another kind of cave experience, but it's much slower paced. But you really feel like you're inside of submarine, surrounded by water, floating through, getting attacked by the Kraken. Like, it's a really cool underwater experience. I was stuck in a little pod with, like, two Japanese schoolgirls, and I was just... (laughs) they were doing their like giggling schoolgirl thing and I was just taking pictures and it was just like, you kind of like just coast through this really cool, surprisingly authentic feeling undersea experience. And that one stuck with me because they do mirror the claustrophobia of being in this enclosed space while still feeling like the bigness of the, the water and the ocean. So that was pretty cool. I just wanted to point out at the beginning of your story, if any of my other friends would have ended probably a little bit differently, or at least been told differently, uh, <laughs> in yeah. terms of the yeah. <laughs> the Japanese schoolgirls, school school yeah, yeah, because like yeah. usually that would be the main focus of the story, I would assume anyway. But like with Paul, he's like, yeah, there was these two Japanese schoolgirls, but let's talk about the fish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the fish were cool, man. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, the, the Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea is one of those like classic Disney attractions. I don't know how similar the Disney Sea version is, but there used to be one at Disney World that's no longer there. There's one at Disneyland that is now a Finding Nemo ride. Mm-hmm. But and so it's interesting that like that ride which i remember when i was a kid at disney world is still sort of lives on at one of those international parks i always like when they do that yeah the classic uh, there there are some classic roller coasters like raging spirits is just a straight up roller coaster Mm -hmm. and that was pretty cool but it wasn't like i was expecting something much more intense and it was kind of like a not a kids roller coaster but like a middle schoolers roller coaster you know like not for not particularly for grown-ups tower of terror was cool I don't think I was like straight up disappointed by anything except for maybe the Finding Nemo 3D theater attraction thing that once I got into it and went through it, I was like, oh, I wish I kind of hadn't waited in line for that one. (laughs) But at that point, it was raining and it was the only one that had a fully covered line. Uh, So I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, I'll go I'll go do this one. And then I think that was my final ride of the day as well. So overall, like, yeah, there were I can definitely see this being amazing for families, though, like for kids, the kids will love it. 
if you're like a thrill seeker park goer, then stick to like Six Flags or Cedar Point or Canada's Wonderland because yeah. it's like it's just not an intense thing. But if you if you like the Disney immersion experience, which I do, it was pretty cool. Yeah, that that's just it for me. Like I, you know, I love roller coasters and stuff like that too. But it's just mm-hmm. you know different tastes. Like if I'm you know wanting to go get like thrilled, I'll go to like six flags and wait in like really boring lines and then like be really fucking like adrenaline pumped for like a minute, maybe a minute and a half and then go stand in another like really boring line. Whereas at Disney world, you know, you're engaged the entire time or, you know, at at a Disney park or whatever you're engaged the entire time. And like said, the, the cues and stuff like that are a lot more interactive and usually at least shaded and that kind of thing. And, yeah, but yeah, the rides themselves are more designed to be like more to tell a story usually than they are to really like fucking get your heart pumping or whatever. Yeah, exactly, and it's pretty fun overall. So yes, uh, and my sister has said that the journey to the center of the earth is the one that uh, she's the most most been most looking forward to. So. Yeah. So this is something that has sort of come up a couple of times. Obviously, you're going to this park in a foreign country that is mostly being attended by people that speak a different language. Do you speak Japanese, Paul? I speak very little Japanese, enough to get by. Okay. So you don't need to, though. Okay, that was, to that was going to be my next question, was was like, how yeah. how much did that impact your visit, like in terms of the people around you, in terms of the ride experiences, that kind of thing? Zero. Like, okay. um, first of all, the, the Japanese as a culture are very polite and good at lining up. So it, there was never... Like, I didn't see any incidents like you would occasionally hear about at the Florida location of, yeah. like, you know, serious throwdowns <laughs> or, like, whatever. Everything is branded in English and in Japanese, with the exception of a few restaurants. But even then, like, they're it's super accessible, like, big pictures of the food. So you don't, it, like, you'll never be confused about what you're ordering. Um, there are... We'll talk about the food later, but like overall, I was never confused. I was never lost. All of the signs are in English and in Japanese. And I believe there's Chinese, Mandarin Chinese as well. Okay. Disney, I think, is always good about keeping things very accessible. So the park experience was no exception. I, I had zero trouble finding my way. Nice. Yeah, that's always been one of my concerns, like at least in Disneyland Paris, like, you know, I can get by with French kind of thing. And again, a lot of the stuff was uh, bilingual anyways, but there were definitely like some of the shows where half the dialogue was in French, half was in English kind of thing. And you could usually figure out what was going on. Even if you didn't speak a lick of French, you could probably figure it out. So, yeah. And when we talk about the shows, like, well, yeah, we'll get into that. But like when it comes to just the bare bones navigation of the park and things like that, it was... It was fine. Okay. Well, yeah, let's talk about shows then. I mean, Disney parks are also known for having a lot of like stage shows or like 4D movies and that kind of thing. Did you do much of that kind of stuff? I didn't. And that was my only regret of the day was that I was trying to fit in so many attractions that I didn't get to see as many shows. There was one in Ariel's Grotto that I wanted to see was like King Triton's Orchestra. <laughs> Mark, Mark shaking his head at the idea of a show in Ariel's Grotto. <laughs> you're, you're perfect. <laughs> What the actual name of it on the map right. is Ariel's Greeting Grotto. Even better. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. be honest, guys. That's even better. So, Jesus when it... Christ, she's a sixteen-year-old girl. You know what I mean? Like sixteen. Ugh, you're horrible. Anyway, 
So that being said, I have I muted myself I, before I said yep to agree with you that I'm horrible. Sorry. <laughs> the only 4D ish show that I went to see was the Finding Nemo one, which was cute, but like not really my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. The two experiences that I had when it come to came to live performances was meeting Ariel and seeing. I was there during the Pirates of the Caribbean summer show, okay. which that doesn't play all year. It's only during the summer, uh, in the kind of late summer. And both experiences were amazing. I made the mistake, though, of going to the Pirates of the Caribbean show at the beginning of the day. When you watch this show, what happens is two full-sized fucking pirate ships come into the harbor, and all of these fucking Japanese pirates, male and female, come down and start doing their sea shanty dances and stuff like that. And it's amazing. And it awoke a certain fetish in me for sure for Japanese pirates. (laughs) But like, uh, that being said, what happens while they're dancing and doing their thing, they're also splashing the audience with a shit ton of water. (laughs) So I'm standing there at like at the beginning of the day, 10 o'clock with no change of clothes. I'm like, oh, oh, this looks really cool. Everyone's having such a good time. And then suddenly this wave of fucking water just like hits me in the face. And I'm just like, oh, shit. And then I look down and my shoes are soaking wet. And like, I have to walk an entire day in wet shoes, (laughs) which was an unpleasant experience that ended up seriously hurting me in the end. Like I had some like, blister problems by the end of the day so if you're going to see the pirates of the caribbean show make sure that it is later in the day or you have some dry socks and shoes to change into or wear sandals or something but like yeah i'm an idiot so (laughs) it is a huge experience there's a pirate ship battle in the middle of the park while this is going on and it's super immersed everything is in japanese but you get the gist of what's going on and everyone like the cast members are fully committed they're having a great time and it's a lot of fun to watch so if you are going to go to disney sea summer really is the time because it's just like because it's themed around water it just like logically it makes sense to go around that time there is an easter show for disney sea but Easter, whatever. Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, the Pirates of the Caribbean, much cooler, even though that franchise is garbage now. <laughs> and the other live experience I had was meeting Ariel. And that is something I recommend to fucking everybody because meeting Ariel was so, she was so good, so in character. I was weirdly starstruck when I met this Ariel <laughs> in particular. She was just like, she was in it. As I'm walking in, I, I have my, my, beard extra scruffy she's like oh hello sailor where which port do you hail from and i was like ah it's ariel (laughs) i was immediately dumbfounded and stammering and just having a great time so and she weirdly reminded me of a mutual friend of mark and i you know kelly is a friend that we have in common and she's a really sweet girl with like a very girly voice and i was like oh my god it's like aerial version of our mutual friend so i was like weirdly like i don't know there's just something weird about that either way who sorry who did you say kelly oh yes 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 um but yeah kelly yes i know yeah yeah she does listen to the podcast so say hello yeah hi kelly you have a an aerial doppelganger in fucking tokyo so there you go <laughs> yeah. but she was super sweet it was like and you get to like she 
she sits in a throne with her flipper flipping around yeah. like she's not in her like her human form she's in full mermaid form and it was a delight to go see her so if you are doing disney sea meet ariel it's the only big there are like costume characters walking around like there's a mickey and a minnie somewhere yeah. around in but that's the only serious like meet and greet that you can do at disney sea so go Definitely. I'm sure more of that would be in like the main Disneyland park because it's probably geared more towards like the you know more like classic cartoon characters and that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Going off what you just said, I mean, I always recommend to people, especially in these larger Disney parks, like it's you know it's awesome that this is a huge, expansive kind of park, but it means that you are going to be walking a lot. So wear fucking comfortable shoes, mm-hmm. and yeah, if you're planning to get wet, bring a change of clothes. <laughs> yeah for sure like this the water theming does carry over to other parts of the park as well so like definitely bring a bag bring some a change of clothes because like there are yeah there are other water attractions but it's the the pirates of the caribbean thing did me in from the get-go yeah yeah like what are you gonna uh, do when when alicia and i went to disney world in march you know we both have like fitness trackers and everything and i think i'd like we were doing like twenty thousand plus steps a day like it was something like eight or nine miles of walking by the time you factor in like walking from like your hotel room to where you get the bus and then from the bus into the park and then all around the park and then back into your hotel room at the end of the night like you can get on a lot of miles so keep that in mind Mm -hmm, for sure let's see so you were, it sounds like you were there pretty much all day. Does does Disney Sea do like a, a nighttime show? A yeah, it does, but I wasn't there for oh, okay. it. it. They have a they have a fireworks show and like a nighttime parade. Okay. But I wanted the the Tokyo transit system is notoriously confusing, so I always give myself a lot of time to travel to various places. Like unless I've been there before, yeah. I wouldn't don't underestimate how confusing Tokyo subways and trains are because they are. For example, my first time going to Tokyo, I did not know that there are three kinds of trains. There's the express, the limited express, and the local trains that all run on the same line. And so if you get on the wrong train, you can miss your stop multiple times moving back and forth between these trains. Oof. So getting to Disney is less confusing because like there there's a lot of signage for it. But even then, like I as I was coming back going into the city proper to stay with my friend and do something in the evening i made sure to leave around sundown so i didn't get lost on the way so i did unfortunately miss out on all the nighttime stuff but i did check the website they do have nighttime stuff including a five minute major fireworks display so i think it's over the harbor cool yeah that's a shame that you missed that like that's always some of my favorite stuff for the like nighttime shows and fireworks and that sort of thing when I go to what, Enchanted Kingdom or Magic Kingdom or whatever uh, in uh, Disney World, which I plan on doing uh, almost as soon as I get <laughs> back from Korea, I'm going to see the fireworks show there. So, yeah, definitely. You should come to our vow renewal. It's going to be in September over over Labor Day weekend next year. When is it you're coming back? Like in the summer? I'm coming back in the in the winter, like the end of February oh, okay. 2020. Nice. So um, if you are... If you're planning a trip to Disney, I might <laughs> right. have to, you know, come around around that Indeed. time. Yeah, that know? might that might be a dance robot dance trip at that point. I think. Uh, yeah, dance robot dance does Disney World. Yeah. Love that. Be me, just be me grousing for like 
an entire episode. You're gonna have so much fun there. Star Wars, Marvel yeah, shit. Yeah, no, yeah, I do, yeah. do want to go. I do want to go. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that's the plan. Maybe we do your Valve renewal. We'll get me and Paul to uh, a Disney park that way. Yeah, yeah. Like you're using it as a trap to get us down there, so you can do an episode yeah. of Disney parks finally. <laughs> it's a trap. trap. <laughs> <laughs> what What about daytime parades? Do they have like an afternoon parade? Or uh, no? Not that I saw. They yeah. have shows at the American Waterfront. And they have a big band show somewhere, but I don't know that they have, they have a new Easter parade for the Easter time, but I think that's it. So like they're, cause their main um, like show is, um, they do multiple showings of that Pirates of the Caribbean thing during the summertime. So I think that's like, yeah, yeah. it's just the way that the park is shaped yeah, in a way that I don't think that they could do like a parade as easily maybe as, you know, with the. The paths are there, yeah. but they don't, they kind of, they're, it's all like kind of a big donut, I guess. So yeah, it's weird. Anyway. Fair enough. Well, speaking of donuts. So one thing I've heard a lot of, uh, especially, I mean, I've heard a lot and seen a lot of like super kawaii, like Japanese food and stuff like that. And I've seen a lot of that, particularly at Tokyo Disneyland and Disney Sea. So what were the food options like? What did you partake of? Was it all super kawaii? Um, some of it was like they really lean into that 50s greatest, greatest decade thing of the 50s like diners and stuff like that and that like that that carries over okay. a lot in like a lot of the different parts of the park i know that the japanese like really sort of almost fetishize that era of western yeah. culture yeah so. and but the food selection is so the food selection is mostly western style okay there's like the sakura cafe in disney sea has some really cool stuff i remember eating in agrabah because there was i really wanted a an Indian curry for some reason. And there it was, you know, like it was, uh, it just, it was okay. speaking to me at the time as I was walking through the Arabian coastline. What else did I have? Diner. I had definitely had diner food, but it was really, yeah. really, really good diner food. And I don't think I had any drinks or anything like, cause I was at that time I was traveling alone. So it was mostly just like refueling so I could go to the next attraction yeah. But it was really, as I was snacking my way through the park as well, there were a lot of like cool little snacks, baked potatoes, a lot of tempura, like fried Japanese food mm -hmm. that you can get it as you're going along. So it was very diverse and very delicious. Like ever, I, I know it's not the level of say, what is it called? Disney Springs in Walt Disney World, where it's like this huge yeah. restaurant quarter. Everything is very uh, divided through each of the parts of the park, but all of the dining experiences that I had were really good. Nice. Yeah. Every time that we like are eating in a Disney park, you know, we'll sort of shift our standards, you know, we'll it'll rather than being like, Oh yeah, that was good. We'll be like, yeah, it's like, it's good for a theme park. Mm -hmm. Kind of. Yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although it's getting, it's getting better. Like there's a lot more sort of interesting, unique, you know, it's not all just like burgers and, shitty pizza and shit like mm -hmm. that and at disney world anymore it's uh especially like you said it like down uh well what used to be downtown disney is now disney springs mm -hmm. there's a lot of interesting variety and sort of more unique cuisines going in there yeah. there's there's one thing on this map that i'm seeing that i don't know if this is a new thing or not but there's a map of uh, where you can get a bunch of different flavors of popcorn is that a was that a thing when you were there i don't remember seeing that i might have missed it however like like there's like caramel corn like garlic shrimp popcorn strawberry popcorn curry popcorn there's a japanese kernels and you're excited 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> Japan. I don't get colonels. Oh, down no, here. Yeah, yeah. Well, wait till you move back, buddy. Yeah. There's like one uh, in every mall. I don't think Colonel's has garlic. Oh, shrimp I mean, like it's Japanese. I said Japanese. Shrimp popcorn. Note yeah. that I quantified. Yeah. <laughs> sh- shrimp flavored snacks are things that I can get at my yeah. Korean 7 Eleven. So n- none of that stuff was <laughs> like particularly like shocking to me per se. So like I, I might have glossed over it just because like I've been desensitized. Like when I first went to Tokyo, That's fair. I definitely did like the weird Japanese snacks thing i remember even recording videos of me tasting it and stuff like that like there there's some weird fucking snacks they're like tea flavored oreos and so when it comes to that i was looking more for like unique weird flavors but unique good flavors that i would recognize and really enjoy like they had yeah. these sausage roll but they were in gyoza like they're like japanese dumplings but they were sausage rolls so you had the the familiar sausage roll insides but the on the outside it was like the japanese kind of soft dumpling on the outside oh so good yeah. try those if you ever get there but yeah all of the, all of the food experiences that i had were really just like i eat so hungry <laughs> let's see so last thing i want to do is sort of compare experiences because there are some of the similar rides you already talked about tower of terror did you do toy story mania no i did not do toy story mania okay that one's really fun although you i think that it's probably pretty similar to the versions in the u.s mm-hmm. so you'll be able to do those over here mm-hmm. did you do the indiana jones the temple of the crystal skull sure did yeah that was not as memorable as because i feel like it was kind of similar to the a journey to the center of the earth it uses a similar ride technology yeah, yeah. It's, it's got it's got a similar vibe so i don't think it didn't stand out to me as much but uh yeah i certainly did that for sure I've done that one in California and the California one is really cool, but California also doesn't have that journey to the center of the earth ride either. Yeah. Let's see. I think that's the majority of like the, the real big, like e-ticket rides that are kind of similar, but yeah. So while they're going to be expanding Tokyo Disney sea actually, so there's going to be a new like eighth port of call going in. Uh, that's going to be what's it says. Uh, themed to they're bringing in basically more disney properties uh, and particularly some that are really popular in recent years and in japan it seems so uh the eighth port will be themed to magical springs that lead to a world of disney fantasy and will include four new attractions Mm. apparently it's going to be filmed around frozen tangled and peter pan oh okay yeah peter pan is weirdly huge in asia like korea and japan both are big on peter pan for some reason whatever translates culturally you know you can never you can never guess that exactly but yeah i don't know if i would go back to disney sea even if they did expand it while i was still here in korea mm. but it does sound intriguing to me like i i love frozen and tangled as well uh, i'm not huge on peter pan like that's a that's a one of the racist disney movies that they have to reckon with still <laughs> a little bit yeah because as you know, since you've rewatched them recently, but like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a cool experience and I'm glad that I did it for sure. Wait, what's yeah. racist in Peter Pan? What am I missing? The native American. The native. Oh yeah. I yeah. always forget about those. Anyway. Yeah. That whole song about what yeah. keep, what makes the red man right. red. Oh. Yeah. I forgot about See, like I said, I haven't seen this shit in a long time. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. All right. My last question for me, one of the things that I always love about Disney is, and especially lately, they've really stepped up their merchandise game in the US. Mm. And I know like my sister's already been to a Disney store in Tokyo mm-hmm. and sent like posted pictures and like 
posted shit to her Facebook story about that. Yeah. So what was the merch like? And did you, was there anything you bought and brought back as a souvenir? Yes. So uh, the merch was crazy good. Like that whole brand integrity thing, it translates to their merchandise in the parks, especially like everything is very high quality and it feels expensive. Like there is something about it because it's like authentic Disney merchandise and not like knockoff or licensed <laughs> out. It's made like, yeah. like kind not in-house, but like similar to the way Pokemon has their Pokemon company stuff that they make themselves and the stuff that they outsource like you can see the quality difference and when you're in the disney parks you can see the quality difference so i kept my merchandise choices pretty small yeah i wanted to carry it easily when i was on my way back home because i was just you know uh, i didn't carry that much luggage with me so i bought three Mm -hmm. disney pins and what I liked about them in particular was that they are cameo style. They look like a cameo or a coat of arms, which had a character's face in like a shadow profile, uh, like just the silhouette of them. And I got one of Mickey Mouse, like a, a small Mickey Mouse, a small Alice from Alice in Wonderland, and a small Rapunzel from Tangled. Uh, the Rapunzel one is a little bit larger, but they're all really stylish and pretty. And I just love the aesthetic of them kind of being, it's a kind of like a mix of silhouette, cameo style and Art Nouveau in a pin form. I wish I had them on hand to show you guys. Not that it matters on a audio yes, podcast. On this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe I can post pictures of them on the Facebook page or something later um, if I can find them. Because I think I put them away for mailing them back home, Canada. But that being said, the merch game was on point. I wish I could have spent another 50 bucks just on the pins because the pins were fucking cool. Yeah, I collect pins. I collect like specific pins or like one specifically related to parks. Like when we went in March, I bought one or I bought a couple that were like related to the resort that we were staying in or like rides that I'd never been on before and that kind of yeah. thing. And so, yeah, there's something that Kingdom Hearts did really well in stylizing Disney in a kind of more serious way and what they do at the beginning of the kingdom hearts intro games is that they have the character kind of waking up from a dream but they're kind of in between dreaming and waking and they're standing on these platforms that look like stained glass featuring one of the major disney princesses and that's what these cameos reminded me of like there's something classic and mythological almost about the way the disney princesses were marketed in the kingdom hearts games and i liked that aesthetic a lot and that's what these pins were were pinging in my brain this kind of like hey yes it is disney and it but we are influenced by serious art things sometimes and so i really dug that a lot cool Mm -hmm. awesome yeah that was all the questions that i had was there anything else that you want to say to sort of sum up your tokyo disney sea trip paul i think i've covered everything except give it a try i mean i've picked it because I don't think I was going to have that experience anywhere else. And I'm glad that I did and went when I did. So Japanese pirates, yes, <laughs> like for sure. And yeah, just if you are a thrill seeker, temper your expectations. But if you're a Disney lover, you're going to have a great time. So as a Disney lover and a thrill seeker, I had two warring opinions. But my Disney lover wins out by far in this scenario because of how immersive the experience is so don't let the kind of lack of intensity of the rides dissuade you from going because i think overall it's a really fun place to be one of the happiest places on earth as it were (laughs) nice yeah cool 
All right. Well, thanks, Paul, for telling us about your trip. So let's move on to our final segment of our episodes, our geek cred, where each of us goes around and recommends something that we've been enjoying lately. We're going to go to Mark first because he has been very quiet. Mark, what's your geek cred for the week? I haven't actually seen it yet, but I'm pretty sure John Wick 3 came out this weekend. So I'm going to recommend everybody go see John Wick 3 because I'll probably watch it and like at least geek, geek of the week it next week or something like that. It's certified fresh. Yeah, you know, I saw like eighty eight percent. I saw it's doing well, so I'm I'm excited to see it. Uh, I know I know the boys are not like into that straight up action movie kind of bend, but uh, yeah, it's got a seventy three on Metacritic. Well, yeah, I'll probably go check it out okay. tomorrow after this edit's done. But yeah, I would recommend going to see the new John Wick. I'm assuming it'll be a fun roller coaster ride to kick off the post Avengers summer. Yeah. So. Nice. Paul, what about you? What's your geek cred for this week? Oh, my geek cred is a little weird, but it is Japanese because, you know, kind of in theme. So I have been trying to loop my interests and try to like dabble into, you know, last week I was reading again and like I haven't watched a lot of anime recently. So I picked up a series that I thought was going to be one thing and it was something very different. It's called Asobi Asobase. And it comes off initially as like a slice of life comedy, which is pretty a pretty popular genre in anime. But this one is a slice of life comedy about three girls in middle school who create this club called the Pastimers Club. And what they do is they play these games to just pass the time because they're bored of school and life in general and the whole series is them just being really fucking mean to each other and it is the funniest thing i've seen in ages like so they'll play uh, a rock paper scissors like in japan if you lose rock paper scissors the tradition is to flick someone on the forehead but this girl loses rock paper scissors and gets bitch slapped in the face and then (laughs) by a character who claims to be american but doesn't speak a word of english which just weird weird shit and so a new student comes in and decides to create a club where they just play these really stupid ass games to pass the time and are just incredibly cruel to each other and it's genius it is so funny like they're half hour episodes of just this like innate middle school boredom and cruelty like them just taking the piss out of each other and it's great asobi asobase check it out (laughs) All right. Myself, I'm going to, geez, I, I think I've, this is like the fourth or time in a row I've recommended something like comic book related, but I guess that's not too surprising. Nope. Mm. So this week I'm going to recommend Brian Michael Bendis's Young Justice title that's about five or six issues in now. It's drawn by Patrick Gleason, who did a lot of the Damian Wayne Batman stuff. Did a really cool job on that. And so he has a lot of experience drawn like younger characters. And I think it works really well with that like sort of more teenaged hero group. But the story itself has been good so far. And I just, the thing that's really made me fall in love with it is it's brought back the Connell, uh, like Superboy character oh, from nice. like way back in Mark and Mai's like collecting day, you know, the one yeah. that uh, was one of the four supermen that sort of replaced superman when he died and also an impulse as well like how long has he been has he been dead since superboy prime killed him no it's they haven't fully explained where he was well they they explained where he was basically he was are you familiar with gem world 
Oh fuck, Tim! I don't. You know, basically, I, I know what it is, but like, do we want to yeah. get into that at the end of an episode? That, but that's really. where he's been. <laughs> okay, is, is essentially, fair. he got like shunted into another dimension, and there's also still this whole sort of shadow hanging over the DC comic book universe that somebody has been fucking with timelines, and I'm pretty sure it's going to end up having been Doctor Manhattan, and has basically made some characters be totally forgotten by a lot of people. And I mean, yes, it's a wishy-washy way to bring back some fan favorite characters kind of yeah. thing that that have been wiped out by various, you know, continuity resets, but uh I don't really care that it's wishy-washy because there's some, you know, great characters that I like, you know, really came as into. As long as it's your team doing it, right? As long as it's your team doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. I'm there fully willing to admit. So, yeah, if you liked that era of, well, I mean, it, it harkens back a lot to that Jeff Johns, uh, like Teen Titans, and then the... Young Justice, wasn't it? Jo- yeah, the original Young Justice book yeah. as well. Um, if you like those team dynamics, then definitely check out this new Young Justice book as well. Yeah, cool. All right, so with that, we are all finished up. Thank you for listening. And if you have any thoughts, if any of you have been to Tokyo Disney Sea or any of the international disney parks by all means uh let message us know tim. Um, he just wants yeah. to know just message tim yeah, <laughs> yeah let, let us know sort of what you thought what your experiences were how maybe how they compared with paul's if you've been to disney c you can do that on our facebook page at facebook.com slash dance podcast you can get at us on twitter at drd underscore podcast you can email us at dance dance podcast at gmail.com and if you are not already, you can subscribe to our podcast basically any way that podcasts can be subscribed to, whether that is through Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. So with that, again, thank you for listening and say goodnight, Paul. Good night, everybody. And say goodnight, Mark. Good night, everybody. And we will see you next week where we will talk about Game of Thrones. The podcast will be dark and full of spoilers. Yeah, like it <laughs> usually isn't. So. Yes, and I'm probably jinxing this by saying this, but we may have a special guest if she can figure her fucking schedule out. Or if she can, you know, actually reply to our initial message <laughs> about that date, because she has not, so I don't even know why you mentioned it. But Yeah, anyway. so. <laughs> See you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>